Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 28th. We are reading from the big book and we are on page 14, starting with the last paragraph my friend had emphasized. Today's readers are Du, Marjorie, Paula, and Larry. The reference number for Monday January 27th is 5828. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice to read the 12 steps. Janice, star one. I'm talking away. Okay, the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Santa to read the 12 traditions. Press star one, Santa.
Okay. Santa, if you're available for the 12 traditions, please unmute, star one. I can read the 12 traditions. This is Sharon in Colorado, if you'd like me to. Yes, Sharon, please. All right, thank you. Let me just get to that page real quick. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating com compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other uh, forms of public media communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you have done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 14, last paragraph starting with my friend had emphasized. I will now ask Du to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you. Press. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning. To um, recover compulsive overeater. It says, perhaps, uh, I mean, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs, particularly what's imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said. And how appallingly true 
for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain uh, trials and low spots ahead. He did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Indeed. Dead indeed. If, with us, it's just like that. Um, wow, this is awesome. Um, first of all, can I ask Hold on one get... second, do um, Somebody is unmuted. They're in the kitchen. So if you could please check your phone. Thank you. Go ahead, do. Okay. Um... Julie, yeah, I'm going to mute the line. I'm going to mute the line and then do come oh. back in. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. This is to recover compulsive reader. Thank you for that. Um, what I see here is that Bill has um, finally taken all his steps. Uh, he he has um, you know taken steps one through three, which you know he's admitted his powerlessness. He's developed uh, he's made that conscious contact with God, um, and he's gotten the right relationship with God. And then in four through six, uh, he's he's done uh, four through seven. He's done a lot of work. He's taking action in, you know, getting a right relationship with himself. And then in 8 and 9, he's taking the actions to get a right relationship with others. And now, you know, <laughs> Abby's telling him, you got to do more. <laughs> it's not just the fact that you've taken these actions and, you know, um, you've developed these um, relationships and, and you've gotten them right. It's uh, it's it's the fact that you continue to do this work. You continue to improve your relationship with God. You continue to improve your relationship with others, and you continue to check on yourself. And um, and then you do a little bit more on top of that. You get to work with others, you know, in order to maintain and enlarge your spiritual um, life. And he says, particularly what's imperative to work with others as he had to work with me, um, faith or that confidence with God was, was dead um, if, if he didn't do this type of work. And it was very, very important for, for him to continue to um, perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, um, which meant that he continued to uh, improve his conscious contact with God, knowing what God had had in mind for him and and that meant that he had to carry this message to still sick and suffering alcoholics to practice these affairs and and, um, practice these principles in all his affairs and it was particularly practicing it with the other alcoholic because it meant his life it meant that you know when he hit certain trials and low spots in his life working with another alcoholic when all other methods failed would surely work because it would act as an immunity for him. And so, um, you know, it was emphasized that work was required and that, you know, the demonstration of God working through his life was the fact that he needed to demonstrate, to show his actions that he really believed that God was working through him. 
And um, and we see that a lot when, when we are dependent on God and we are doing this type of work. And um, and that's what I see here with that at best. Thank you, Dew. And would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Lauren Hems from Pittsburgh. Uh, I heard someone before, Lauren. Kim. Kim. Okay, Kim and then Lauren. Thank you. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I, I obsess over certain words in the big book at certain times, and the one I'm obsessing over now is that word if, because if is a condition. You know, if we do this, then we'll get that. If this happens, then that will happen. So we have another if sentence in this book. If he did not work, he would surely drink, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. So if he did not work, what did that mean? That that meant that he has now worked through the steps and he has to live in 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, and 12 has to be part of his daily makeup. And 10, 11, and 12 really encompasses working all 12 steps. Because in step 10, we're going to be utilizing that skill set we learned in 4 through 9 right now, today throughout the day, not at night. A lot, of, a lot of us think that this step 10 is the review at night. That's step 11. Step 10 is that step that we use throughout the day, checking in with God, checking where we're selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful. That allows us to live in the moment. And when we do step 12, when we're teaching others about this book, we're doing steps 1, 2, and 3. When I teach someone about powerlessness, I'm renewing my own powerlessness. When I'm teaching someone they need a power, I'm renewing my need for a power. And when I'm teaching someone that third step decision, I am reinforcing my decision. So if I don't continue that work, I will surely drink. And if I drink, I will surely die. That's why I say I'm recovered. I am not cured. I will always have this allergy to the body. By working these steps, that chatter in my head, that strange mental twist has been quieted with the grace of God. And if I stop doing this work, if I stop growing towards that connection with a higher power, that chatter will start again. And in and of myself, I will eat. And I will die. So page 84, another line that I just, every day I, I say it as a prayer is our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So I need to grow. I don't maintain. I grow. Understanding is mean I'm constantly reaching for a better understanding of God, a better understanding of the big book, a better understanding of this relationship that I have with God. And my effectiveness is how do I carry this message? How can I, God, improve carrying this message to all my fellows who are still suffering? And the two main reasons I think I feel I picked up and the observances I've made of other people picked up is that 10 and 11 becomes a panic button. They only do it when they're in enough pain to do it. And step 12 is they stop working with others. I think so many of us were taught that, you know, we have to, we get a couple sponsors, we talk to them every single day, and it's a lifelong relationship. And if that's true, then we have two or three sponsees and we never can take on any new ones and we basically are talking just to recovered people. My job is to carry this message. If the message is carried and they're connected with a higher power, I need to reach for that still-suffering compulsive overeater. So this is so essential. If, 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 if he did this work, 
if he did not do this work, this is the consequences, if he did not do the work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. For then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Lauren, go ahead. Okay. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Republic Compulsive of Reader. Here we see the phrase, faith faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And I believe this is the first time they used this, this statement in the book. And I was told they used it three times in the book, specifically on page 88, when they say, after we do our 11-step prayer, but this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. Then um, the next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. So we are at, in this part of the book, page 14 and 15, we're at carrying this message of recovery. We're at carrying this message of recovery, which is step 12. Bill describes his friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles. Demonstrating means to show clearly and deliberately these principles. To show clearly and deliberately these principles. And um, practicing these principles in all of our affairs. It was it was clear to me through going through this book that um, I was going to learn a new way of living, a new way of living. So my whole entire being was changed by my spirit, my my new awakened spirit, my my sixth sense, my 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 higher power. My whole entire being was changed. So um, faith without works was dead. So, so how to how to have this this new found life? You know, willingness is an action. It takes it takes work. It takes work, and it takes a lot of giving of myself. A lot of giving of myself to other people, not just people in an OA, but people in general. It takes a it takes a lot of discomfort, to be quite honest. That's it. This, it takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of sacrifice. Here they say, for if. I failed to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice. I could not survive certain trials and low spots. If I did not do this work with others, I would surely eat again. And if I binged, I would surely die. So, um, what's an example of step 12? Well, um, one example would be when I saw my nutritionist a couple weeks ago, I gave her some pamphlets some Overeaters Anonymous pamphlets. And I, I uh, wrote on the back of the pamphlets the website for um, GTIOA, which is the Greater Pittsburgh Intergroup of OA. So that was, a, that was a way for me to carry the message to her. And I told her if anybody, she knows I'm in OA. She, I've worked with her. I work with her, her closely. Um, I told her, you know, if anybody struggles and does not know, please give her my phone number. Please give them my phone number. Um, uh, what's another way of carrying the message? Well, I, I call my sponsees. I call people who are recovered. Whenever I go to a meeting face-to-face and there's a newcomer, I run to them after the meeting. I run to them after the meeting, and I say, hi, you know, how's it going? 
you know, do you do you want to get coffee sometime? Do you want to tell me about your life? Um, I don't tell them about read the book. I just say, you know, how's it going? Like, are you, do you, are you a, you know, I try to tell them about my stories. Maybe they can relate. Um, I don't shove the big book in front of them because I don't even know if they're a real compulsive reader. I don't even know if they're, um, there's, there's different ways to demonstrate these principles too. Uh, you know, when it's about to be read, I don't speed through traffic. Um, when my aunt calls me and I really don't feel like talking to her, I pick up the phone and I talk to her because, you know, I have to give myself to others. Um, so thank you, thank you for listening, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Yes, Paula, go ahead. And thank you, and thank you for your service. You know, I'm going to scoot on down to that last line. For if an alcoholic failed... To perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots. You see, they will come, because now you're living life as it was intended to be. There are low spots. There are trials in life. How do you survive them? I don't know what they will be for you. And I'm not going to share here what they are for me. But they do come. And it says clearly... If an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge, expand, I had to expand to meet them because they would come. His spiritual life through, and let me tell you, it even tells you how, through work, through work. Not a quick thought for you, darling. I'll pick up the phone. I'll go meet you where you're at. And self-sacrifice for others. How is that now? To sacrifice self by picking up a phone, by making a call. And by the way, may I include here the first line just for a moment. It says, demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. It's not just at the meeting. It's not just anywhere. It is everywhere you demonstrate what love and tolerance of others is our code. I live my code. They don't have to be in agreement with me. Well, that's pretty easy if they are, though. But that's not the way life is, you see. But I will tell you, this part, faith without works was dead. Can I tell you faith with works, what that is? That is living life. That is happiness. That is joy. That's the freedom they talk about. How free do I want to be? Let me tell you. Give to another and I will be freer yet. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone Laura? else like to share on the paragraph? Laura? So Laura, Laura, and then Leanne. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura W., recovered in South Jersey. And I just wanted to focus in on a couple of these words that mean so much. Um, This is a warning here to us, to me. This is a warning. It says, um, my friend emphasized the absolute necessity to demonstrate these principles, all my affairs. Then he uses the word imperative. And then he goes on to say, he could not survive. Um, This is a warning here. If I don't work with others and continue to grow in service and help others, I'm not going to stay well. I'm not going to stay recovered. I would surely pick up and I will surely die. So, you know, when I, 
I hear people say, oh, I can't sponsor, you know, I don't have the time, or, um, you know, th- that's, that's a red flag for me. You know, not that I'm the greatest sponsor in the world, but, you know, I, I give when I can. Um, I, I can't survive unless I pass on what God's so freely been, you know, what I've so freely been given by God. And, um, and you know, and faith would be dead indeed. And when I lose faith, I don't just lose my, my abstinence. I lose my life. Everything around me that's important to me, you know, I lose. Whatever I put in front of my recovery, I will lose. And, and I'm a living example of that because I did relapse 10 years ago. And thank you, God, somehow I came back, you know, kicking and screaming into the rooms. But, but you know, this is a very important part of the program. This is, part of the, this is one of the cruxes of the program, working with others. You know, step 12, I think, that's when the real work begins. Um, it's just so important for us to to continue to grow our, in our spiritual life through work and self sacrifice for others. And doesn't mean we need to, you know, doesn't mean I need to give 24 hours a day to to people in program. But when I'm asked when I'm asked to help, and if I have the time to help, and I'm and I'm able to help, then then I do what I can. You know, um, we become transformed through this program, and and it's not just because we put the food down, it's, it's our minds are renewed through surrendering to God. And, you know, working the steps bring me to God. The steps are not the solution. The solution is a relationship with God. And working the steps, especially step 12, brings me to that God. So I'm reminded of that. And, and I love the, the crucial words that he uses here. It's very important and, um, and very pertinent to my recovery. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you very much. And Leanne? Oh, thank you, Leanne, recovered from anorexia and compulsive overeating, and I really love what was just said. It's so much of what I wanted to say, too. Um, Working with others helped me understand my process even better. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to help anybody through and be able to see into their lives like my sponsor saw into my life and pointed out so many things that I was so unaware of, and I'm thinking, how in the world can she know? How does she know this? And um, now, listening to my sponsees, I'm able to also notice things that they can't see. And it's such a great, um, it's really rewarding for me to um, to go through the steps again and again with new people. I'm new at it, but it's really rewarding. And I'm just seeing now how essential this really is for me to keep going through the steps with somebody else, giving it away, sharing. And as I share, I learn even more. And sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes I don't understand their dilemmas. But I do have, a, you know, my sponsor to ask, and she has her sponsor to ask. So I'm never alone in any of this. Yes, you can. Um, so, you know, we talk about staying in the steps, and that's really what it is. I stay in the steps by helping others through. And um, and it's just such a great reward. Um there's more I wanted to say, but I'm getting distracted here. But um, anyway, ditto on, ditto on what everybody's been saying. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you. This is Julia, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And um, every paragraph in this book is spot on, but this tells us exactly what to do. And, every, and other people have said that, you know, it's about living in that 10, 11, and 12. I've already had that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience. My thoughts and my attitudes are different. So, and how am I going to keep that? And it says, if I fail to perfect my spiritual life, 
I'm going to die, I'm going to eat. And so it's that constant growing so that I can improve, enhance that relationship with my, my God and, um, and working with others. We don't have a choice. And I, I love this on page 97. It says, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You know, we're, our phone's going to ring. We're going to have sleepless nights. Um, there was a speaker, I don't know who it was, said something. I call it, I don't call a sponsor to stay abstinent. I call a newcomer to stay recovered. And, you know, that's what we have to do. It's not about me doing the checkoff list. You know, did I go to 90 meetings or did I call two to seven people? Did I do this? Do I do that? Did I stay close to God? Did I act in a loving, kind, giving, caring manner? And did I help another still suffering compulsive overeater? That is my job. My job is is to be of service and to my family and to my friends, um, to my job, all of that, because it's how I live today. It's not just about OA, and that's how I thought it was. If I did this, if I did my check sheet, and if I stayed size four, that's all I had to worry about. But no, it's I need to give back what was freely given to me. And um, we have, a, we, it's not a choice to be a sponsor. Once you go through the steps, once you recover, it's like, say you're available. There's 250 people on this line. They're waiting. So that's my little rah-rah. So would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Karen, this is Sally. Okay, so we have Karen, and and it was Layla. Sally. I heard Sally, but thought there was somebody in between. But go ahead, Karen. Leah. Ah, Leah. (laughs) Karen, Leah, and Sally. Thank you. Hi, this is Karen from Michigan, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and that's the first time I've been able to say that. Um, Thanks to this meeting and people on this meeting. Um, and, and the very wonderful person that took me through the steps. So um, I'm kind of nervous because it's the first time I've ever spoken on this meeting, but um, what really hit me on, in this paragraph was where it said, particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? And and I looked that word up in the dictionary, and it said very imperative means very important, but what it also said was when someone uses that word, they are pretty much expressing a command. So to me, that means that now that I'm recovered, I need to sponsor other people. So I'm looking forward to the end of the second hour so I can leave my name and number and um, start doing this very important work like someone just said that... uh, you know, I have to do this or I will surely die because um, this is, uh, you know, it's a command. It's something I have to do. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen. And Leah? Thank you so much, Julie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name's Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. You know, it's 
to me, these are the nuts and the bolts of the program. Um, you know, <laughs> I had other dreams for myself than to be uh, on a morning meeting every morning at 7 a.m. Uh, you know, I've been blessed with 12 children, a husband who runs his own business. Um, there's much to do around here, but, um, you know, this is this is the nuts and bolts. This is the irony that shows the power of God that, um, you know, we are able to take this problem of compulsive overeating, this illness that destroys our lives, destroyed my self-worth, destroyed, uh, you know, my uh, any strengths that I could muster up. And the thing that seemed the worst thing in my life, this disease of compulsive overeating, this runaway train that brought such madness and mayhem into my life, um, becomes the jewel of my life. You know, it becomes the jewel of my life, and it is through that process of the steps, you know, that I get to have these spiritual wings now. The journey of the steps leads me within so that I can blossom outward. You know, there's a natural progression of turning us inside out (laughs) from a life-taking habit of self-obsession to a life-giving desire for service for others. Um, you know these first these steps that um, that I applied in my life uh, and continue to apply. They they bring amazing change in my life, a spiritual awakening. They rearranged my outlook and my attitude upon life. Uh, my core belief systems were shaken up. Um, but when I look back on 27 years of working with other people, I know I have grown far more from carrying the message than I grew from that initial uh, work of the steps because the more I give what I've been given away, the more I'm blessed by God growing in my life. This spiritual awakening um, manifests itself in service as the very nature of our transformed self. It just becomes something that is natural to ooze out. You know, we become a source of, of solace and service to our community, and that's one of the spiritual paradoxes you know, for me, is that the more I serve others, the more my life is taken care of. The more I'm emptied of my false self and and my masks and my personas and and all the things that I used to um, trust and rely and depend on for stability, the more that that is shed, the more I am restored to uh, perhaps, uh, you know, what the Master wanted of me. So the more I give away, the more I have. It's a preoccupation, you know. If It says, um, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, you know, what am I preoccupied with? I used to be preoccupied with, you know, am I popular? Am I having fun? You know, uh, am I good looking enough for this situation? Um, am I going to be successful? You know, can I accomplish things educationally? You know, that was my preoccupation. An athlete is preoccupied with being a best athlete. You know, they what they eat, how fast they run, you know, how they throw a ball. That's a preoccupation. Uh, for people who are recovered, it becomes a preoccupation. It must be a preoccupation to enlarge our spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice. You know, because I have a mind that will take me back to that which is killing me. <laughs> so uh, we continue to walk this path, we continue to trudge, and we do it with tremendous gratitude. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Sally, go ahead. Thank you, Julie. Good morning. 
a good morning vision for you. It's Sally, recovered in South Jersey. Um, and of course, a lot has been said about this paragraph. I just wanted to um, comment on two things that have, have, I don't believe has been said. When we look at this sentence, the last sentence here, it seems to me that um, Bill presents this subject of, um, of doing service backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards here as if it's just, it's not that he wants to beat a dead horse, but it's just that it has to be said in every way that it can possibly be said to drive home the point that we do need to take up our armor and walk forward and help someone else and not think that once we've arrived, we can walk into the sunset on our own. So when we read the sentence, if he did not work, now he's taking it from a backwards position, if he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. I see a mathematical equation when I look at this. A equals B. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If A, if he does not, if he does not work, equals that he will drink B. Then, if he then if he drinks, if he drank B equals C, he will die. Then, if he does not work, A equals C. He he will be dead. And so, as crazy as that might sound to some of you. That's how I look at this. I look at it from an A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If he doesn't work, he will die. If he, does, then if he doesn't work, he'll drink. If he drinks, he'll die. Therefore, if you don't work, you're going to be dead. And then when he uses this expression, which, of course, we know he uses it three times, it's funny because just yesterday I was looking up the word undisciplined thinking to myself, how can I get more disciplined? And I remembered that this line was in the book, and it happened to be on page 88. We alcoholics are undisciplined. So then I read about what it said. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. So the word action is equivocated with, the word, with these words, faith without works is dead. They're aligning these two thoughts, take action because faith without works is dead. And again, we see it on 76, page 76. Now we need more action. That's what it says, the exact word, action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. And that brings me to my final point. It does take action. Faith without works is dead. And we do need to do the disservice. And it does take a, a certain level of discipline to find time in our daily lives to do this. I have found that when I'm about to take on a new sponsor, I feel a, a heavy weight of, oh boy, here we go, um, because I know that this is going to take some time out of my day. It requires more discipline. It requires more action. And, of course, this is absolutely imperative to my own healing and so I would just say, just as it says on page 88, as it lines up these words together, remember that when you take on someone, we pray, we ask our higher power, do I have time? And when you have that peace that settles over you, take that person. And you look at your schedule and you refinagle and you find that little bit of time that you can work with that person a few times a week to read with them and to talk with them. Remember that it says here, we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. 
this is all part of our own healing is that by by giving to other people by working with other people it does require more discipline and it gives us more of an opportunity to go to our own higher power so that we can grow so that we can heal thanks for letting me share with that i pass thank you sally would anyone else like to share before we move on to the next paragraph yes hi this is gwen gwen and someone else janice all right, Gwen and then Janice. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, this is Gwen from New York. Um, I've been on this meeting since October of 28th, approximately of 2012, and I've been really pretty quiet. I did the step work, and I've, you know, and I've released um, several pounds, and I've been abstinent, and I am thankful for you all in a very profound way. For me, I've been quiet about giving service, even though I have tried to do some service um, every day. That tends to be who I am. Um, I'm a professional, and I give service all the time. I help people all the time, but to really give service... um, and to sponsor somebody is somebody that something that I've held out on because I've really wanted to be sure about myself, about my own recovery and belief in the program. It wasn't really until yesterday that I could just open myself up a little bit more to helping others in the program like I've been helped, especially by a vision for today. And um, I just want to say very humbly that, you know, it was I was challenged because when it came to helping someone who had called, I was I was really almost amazed by the fact that rather than it being Gwen's program, that I really turned it over to the first 164 pages, I believe, I mean, maybe off a couple of pages, but that I turned it really over to the word in the big book and to what the program is and to what we get from each other in these meetings. And that works. That absolutely that absolutely works. The one final thing I'll say is that the more the more that I help others in the program specifically with it as it is written, the more I the more I see that I believe and the more I am humbled by the fact that something other than myself, diets, uh you know, diet books um, you know, things along those lines, that, that it's not the diet that works. It's something within the self and the combination of what the self does with the program and the belief in the program that works. And that's an amazing realization. And the more, the more I can feel that and see that, the more that I can really be in steps 10, 11, and 12. So I want to say I'm grateful and that, and that I'm a believer and that I'm recovered uh, and that recovery is something not to take for granted. And uh, it's, it really, in some ways, is one day at a time, but for me that works. Thank you very, very much. I, I applaud all, all of you. I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Janice, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you, Julie, and uh, good morning again. My name is Janice M. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, my goodness, so much was said. But I just want to comment on, you know, I don't know about you, but in the past, like, oh, I would have an aim, I would have a goal, 
And I would reach that aim, reach that goal, like the spiritual awakening, like I experienced sponsees doing, and then they think they're all done. And, you know, it talks in the big book about resting on our laurels. This race of life and this race of compulsive overeating is not over when we reach a spiritual awakening. It continues. We cannot rest on our laurels, which means the race isn't over. We can quit now that we got out, you know, we got the spiritual awakening. Because I have to remember that, you know, basically I'm a self-centered person. And once we get what we want, we say, okay, very hard to give it away. I mean, I, I found it very easy because I love to do that. But some, some sponsors, you know, they say they're not good enough or whatever. But that's still self-centeredness for me. So we have to remember on page 85, very important paragraph, it's easy to let up on our spiritual program of action and rest. If, if we're resting, we don't grow. It's as simple as that. How can you grow if you're resting? And we are headed for trouble because you know why? Compulsive overeating, our binge foods, is a subtle foe. It creeps in like you wouldn't believe and because we are not cured. That's why we, it's not an option. That's why it's a joy and a pleasure because I'm receiving all the time, even though supposedly I'm giving. I'm, I'm doing more receiving. So it's a daily reprieve. My disease is just suppressed. It's only suppressed for one day. And that's why I have to carry the vision of God with me every day and help somebody else. Um, that's what works for me. And I thank you for the pleasure, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And did I hear Shauna in line to comment? Yes, Hannah. Great. Go ahead, Hannah. Okay. I'm, I'm, this is Hannah. I'm, I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Colorado. And, um, you know, the I... Um, my experience is it's a lot easier to stay abstinent than to get abstinent. And I really don't think anything for sure, looking in the mirror, however satisfying that might be today, does not make me as grateful as listening to a sponsee who's struggling and and just being grateful that that I was as desperate as I was um, and as willing to surrender as I was because that's the piece, the, the challenge in life. And I, I, I have a lot of health challenges on my plate and that are chronic. Um, and really when I... I, I this working with others isn't about saving them or fixing them. It's, it's, you know, we are companions on this journey, and it's a lot easier if one is lost in the desert or in the woods or on the Arctic tundra, you know, if there's somebody else to say, wow, this is really hard. You know, and to just to share a drink of water with or to share a book with. And that's the part, that's where 
my spiritual growth comes so much from surrendering my desire to fix other people or to save other people. Um, so the the two are entwined for me. It isn't it isn't separate that I do spiritual growth over here, though prayer and meditation is there. And then I work with others over here. It, it's that working with others and asking for direction go hand in hand. It passes. Thanks. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share in this paragraph? Okay, Marjorie, would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning. This is Marjorie, compulsive overeater, recovered. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate, for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. I'm just going to hit a few of the high points of this very useful paragraph and trust that the rest of you will comment on the richness that's in here. In that first sentence, he uses the word enthusiasm. And what I found when I looked at the origin, at the etymology of that word, it gave me a sense of he's motivated by God. There is a sense of God within him. And so his motive was a good motive in helping other alcoholics. Yes, it helped him counteract despair. Yes, it helped him counteract self-pity and resentment. But there was also simultaneously a motive of connecting with God, of being motivated by God. And that is one of the things that brings intense pleasure I never would have known that if I hadn't put down the food and experienced that myself. But I'm able to see that about this paragraph. I'm able to see that about Bill's experience. And I remind myself that he's pretty new in sobriety when he's writing this story. And so those feelings of self-pity and resentment were just the tip of, and despair were just the tip of the iceberg of the things that he subsequently came to feel, which I found out by reading other things that he wrote later in his life and other things that were written about him. And isn't that the way it was with me? During the early withdrawal, I experienced certain things, storms of emotion, but then there was the early years of abstinence when I began to experience feelings that I'd never experienced before. Maybe sometimes it was self-pity or resentment or despair, but maybe it was something else. And so the importance, the usefulness of this paragraph to me was in identifying that 
yes, there are a lot of feelings to be addressed. And yes, they are tempting me to go back to the food because wasn't the food always there to buffer those feelings, to, to settle them down? Yes, there will be all those feelings and those real practical situations like being unemployed or being unemployable. And there's something that I can do in rough going. I can carry this message to other people, maybe not in a profound way, maybe just in a way that just keeps me from from picking up that first compulsive bite for one day. And that's a way of living that I hadn't had before. Thank you for listening. I'll pass. Thank you. I'd like to I'd like to share on this paragraph? I would. My name is Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm Nancy. Um, I'm recovering in Ovidas Anonymous, and uh, I'm so grateful for the readings and the sharings and for this um, meeting. I would like to uh, comment on the very last sentence. That is what really spoke to me. It is a design for living that works in rough going. It is a design for living. Uh, for so many years in the rooms, I came, and my primary purpose was to lose weight. Um, I sat in the room for, uh, I mean, years, and uh, that was my primary goal. But I have come to see that this program, that putting the food down is just the beginning just the beginning, and I'm so grateful that I have had the spiritual awakening, that I have been relieved of this this uh, monkey that has been on my back, I think, all of my life. And what I am learning is um, each day, each day, as long as I follow the design for living, the, the 12 steps, as I follow them, as I live this way of life, um, more is being revealed every day. More is being revealed. I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. Uh, for years, I, w- I felt that this was such a, a trick of nature that had been played on me for me to have this disease and, and to see other people around me eating whatever they wanted. That that was because my focus was on the food. But today. Uh, I'm grateful because I never would have the life that I have, the relationship that I have with God, the recovery that I am experiencing. I would not have had I not been beaten to my knees by this disease. So today, I, I you know, I do have a design for living, and I keep my eyes. I'm learning to keep my eyes on the prize, and the prize is, you know, being of service to my higher power. It's not about Nancy. But and as a result, the gifts I received are just immeasurable. So thank you, moderator, and thank everybody for their sharing and all that make this uh, visions for you possible. I'm so grateful I found this this uh, site, and I'll pass with that. Well, thank you, Nancy, for your share. Well, thank you to everyone who has shared. It is time to close our meeting with the reading from the Big Book on page 164 which will be followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be 
suggestive only. This is Paula Recovered Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.